Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Reel Down. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, the Bass Cag oh, Brother, this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paladin. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy you here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs. We have uh, come to the end of another year of recording this podcast. It's kind of crazy. It seems like forever ago that I got started with this, but uh, we reached uh, December, and uh, this is going to air the 9th of December, and this will be the last uh, noob show uh, for Paddle and Finn this year. We'll be back, uh, I think, the first week in January with um, a lot of more new new content, but uh, I just wanted to just take a short, uh, brief moment to thank everyone who's uh, supported uh, both Paddle and Finn and the Noob Show, all the people who took part in the, the Noobs uh, tournaments this summer, and, um, you know, everybody that's just uh, done such a great job supporting me and uh, Susie and, uh, you know, just this show and um, all the guests that have been gracious enough to come on and, um, you know, uh, just give out tons of great information and tips and tricks to, to help you and me uh, become better anglers. So uh, just can't uh, say enough how grateful I am for all the support that you guys have given. 
Um, and, um, you know, everyone here at the Paddle and Fin crew, uh, just want to, just wanted to say thanks to, uh, all of our, uh, uh, all of our listeners and, uh, everyone who supports us. So, uh, truly greatly appreciate it. So, uh, without further ado, we'll kick off tonight's show. Um, tonight, uh, um, I've been teasing this a little bit, uh, for a couple of weeks. I know we've been, uh, talking to uh, a few other people about some, uh, cooler water techniques as, uh, you know, temperatures around the country start getting a lot lower and the fishing sometimes gets a little tougher. Um, so you kind of have to go go away from some of the normal baits that you're used to throwing and, and look for different things. And um, that kind of led me to uh, reach out to the guest for tonight's show. Uh, I was looking for uh, someone to talk to about uh, the Alabama rig or umbrella rig, whatever you want to call it. And um, I ran across an article that he had written um, that really I thought did a great job of kind of... Uh, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's for uh, learning how to fish the A-Rig. So uh, I figured I'd reach out to him and he was gracious enough to accept my invitation to come on the Noob Show. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Wes Littlefield to uh, the Noob Show. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks, John. I really appreciate you having me today. No problem. I uh, Like I said, uh, the, the article that you that I read was like great and uh, I felt like it spelled out really a lot of the things that you need to know to kind of get started with uh, fishing the A-Rig. Um, I, uh, I'll admit I've thrown it a few times, haven't had a lot of luck with it, but, uh, I think more of that, uh, was relating to equipment. Um, I, I didn't have a, uh, a rod that was really suited for it when I was throwing it. So it was a lot of work when I first got started trying to do it, but, um, let's get started with the easy questions. You know, uh, who you are, where you're from. So my name is Wes Littlefield. Like you said, I grew up in Northeast Oklahoma. I still live here. I actually live on the same 60 acres that I grew up on. And uh, I mainly grew up fishing farm ponds. We had a couple of ponds on our property or my grandparents' property that I could fish anytime I wanted. And I remember what got me hooked on fishing was there was one bass in our front pond that... (laughs) I hooked into and he broke my line and I just happened to see the flash and see how big he was. And I was like, I'm going to catch that fish. So I spent the entire summer trying to catch that bass and about midway through, I ended up catching it. And it was like a, uh, it looked like a 10 pound bass when I was holding it up as a little kid, but it it was really like a, a three or four pound bass. But ever since then, you know, I've always been doing something in the outdoors but I've always come back to fishing for whatever, I mean, because it's fun and whatever other reasons that kind of just draw me back. Gotcha. Okay. And um, I know, uh, you know, you you obviously are a writer of that. You know, I read your article. Um, uh, how'd you kind of get into that gig? And, um, you know, what else do you do in the industry? So that's kind of a, a funny, different story. Um, in school, I hated like, uh, English and stuff. It just, I was okay at it. And, but just the school side of English and writing, I didn't care for, but I got, a a internship with a guy named Jason Cruz for running a social media in college. And it was specifically about like duck hunting. And, um, it was just like taking, learning how to take pictures, learning how to do stuff for social media. And he, strongly insisted that I learned how to write, uh, you know, better just to differentiate myself a little bit. And so fast forward, you know, out of college and stuff, I'm 
working at a job that I enjoyed. I used to run heavy equipment at a coal mine. And um, when the coal mine closed down, it was turned into a rock crusher. And so running big, heavy equipment, it, it was fun. But I just felt like I wanted to do something different eventually. And so I told my wife, I was like, hey, um, you know, if I can make a thousand bucks a month doing this part time for six months, I think I can turn it into a full time gig in starting um, in six months. And so I did that. I made more than what I had expected to make. And then I decided, all right, let's go full time and went full time and haven't looked back, you know. Um, and I mainly, as I mentioned, I didn't just like writing for writing's sake. So I mainly stick with topics that I like. And that's obviously fishing and outdoor related stuff. You know, like I'm, I've tried writing for other stuff and I just, it just was miserable. So I tend to, I tend to stick with that. I also do a, a little bit of social media stuff still, primarily YouTube uh, videos, how-to videos, that kind of stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's treated me well for, it's been a, a year since I went full-time now. And I have no plans of going back. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's it's got to be a little bit of a different gig, not running a rock crusher or coal mining. Uh, yeah. That's a, definitely a, a switch in, in uh, careers there. So probably has a little bit of better life expectancy, too, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, here in Northeast Oklahoma, we did uh, strip mining. So I, I grew up fishing a lot of strip pits, which were strip coal pits. And mm -hmm. now we, you can't, they can't leave the pit anymore. They have to fill it in and reclaim it. But I rem remember fishing them and then growing up, I, you know, I never thought that I'd work for a coal company that actually did the strip mining like I'd fished the pits before. So it was kind of a nice little uh, awakening or whatever you want to call it in that it just kind of opened my eyes to, well, that's kind of cool. I grew up fishing strip pits and here I am making them interesting interesting so um and then um what kind of fishing do you do now regularly do you fish from the shore mostly from a boat you know have you ever done kayak fishing so yeah i'm uh i grew up fishing from the shore and a little bit from a boat my grandpa has a uh, bass tracker that he lets me i can take out whenever i want but my thing is kayak fishing um i actually float I had a buddy who told me, Hey, I can get you a good deal on a new canoe frontier 12. And I was like, well, what the heck is that? And I looked at it and I was like, dude, that's perfect. I can duck hunt out of it. I can fish out of it. I can do everything I want to do out of it. So I got that rigged it up for duck hunting and fishing and stuff. And then the unlimited came out and I was like, no, that's my fishing kayak. And I went out and bought one of them and I've got it rigged with a motor guide on the front. I've got live scope in on it now wow. nice and i've got power pole on the back i i went crazy with this one and um yeah but it's it's a nice rig the worst part of it is just how heavy it is that I, i'm not gonna you know carry it anywhere very far or drag it very far with all so, that stuff on it yeah i imagine yeah but uh i know uh you know you're preaching to the choir for like half the paddle and fin crew is on the uh the um the new canoe team so uh, it's definitely a well-loved brand here with paddle and fin, but, um, that's cool. Uh, what kind of waters do you end up fishing? Like, uh, I'm not super familiar with Oklahoma and, you know, I know you said you grew up fishing ponds, but you have lakes, rivers, moving water kind of thing or all the above. 
Yeah. Um, so I literally live like three mile, four miles away from a lake, a big lake. Um, but it's not really known for bass fishing. So if I'm fishing, I'm usually probably catfishing or crappie fishing at that lake. But we've got some really good bass lakes that are within an hour, or hour and a half that I'll go hit up. And there's a couple of rivers. Um, I also grew up fishing rivers and I, I don't know. I, in my mind, they're easier to break down and I seem like I just fish a river better. And so I love hitting up the river. Um, you know, I, I especially like taking my wife and my daughter on float trips. We'll go and float from point A to point B and just spend the day fishing, swimming, whatever. And, um, there's one river that we go to the lower Illinois and it actually has a uh, trout stocked in it. And so I chase trout and every now and then I hook into the rogue bass or sand bass or white bass, whatever you want to call it and stuff. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm not picky. Um, like I said, there's even strip pits that I still fish. There's ponds. I'm, I'm not picky when it comes to the water, as long as there's fish in it and I'm catching something, I'm happy. And it's interesting. You also mentioned about hunting from your kayak too. I know we have a, a show called feather and fur, uh, yeah. where Brad, uh, Brad, one of our guests, uh, talks entirely about, uh, hunting and stuff. Uh, and a lot of times from kayaks and, and, and based on kayak, um, uh, hunting from your kayak. So that would be, uh, potentially something you could talk to him about too. Yeah. Uh, sweet. Yeah. Um, I haven't done much, uh, hunting for mine, but, uh, but I definitely, I know the new canoes are really set up well for that. So. Yeah, the, I went, I took it out last year, the year before, and it's a completely different shooting experience, like specifically duck hunting. I was in my kayak and I don't know, just the way I was moving or whatever, I could not hit a single bird. <laughs> so I literally got out and sat next to my kayak and then I started shooting the birds and I was like, okay, so I got to practice or something because it was just the way I was moving, whatever, I couldn't hit anything. And then once I finally got out, I improved. I'm not an expert shot by any means, but I did better than what I was doing. Still sounds fun though. I mean, either way, but, uh, um, what's your, what's your seasons like out there? Like, uh, you know, are you, uh, do you freeze over there eventually? I'm sure. No, I, no, no. Pretty um, mild. Okay. Yeah. I, if I say we don't, there's every now and then we'll get like in mid January or so, we'll get a really cold stretch of a week or two and the lake might freeze, but it's nothing for like, you know, you're not going to walk on it and feel it's not thick enough for that. I can think of a couple years where I, some of the ponds that I duck hunted, we could walk and ice skate on the ponds. But as far as like the big lakes, I, I wouldn't even consider it. So gotcha, most of the gotcha. time, I mean, cold weather here is you know 30 freezing or you know but we do get some stretches of zero degrees a few negative days but for the most part it, it's it's really mild it sounds kind of similar to where i am in pennsylvania you know we might wait i mean there is a few rare occasions where it freezes enough that you could actually go out and ice fish but for the most part it's going to take a good two weeks of, uh, you yeah. know, really cold temperatures to get that to happen. For the yeah. most part, you're talking like, a you know, a layer of ice that you definitely don't want to walk on that, you know, you could potentially crunch through with your kayak, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. 
Interesting. So um, how about your uh, fishing seasons? Are you allowed to fish all year round or do you, do, do you stop? Uh, like I know our trout season stops here in PA uh, at a certain time, but, um, and bass, you're not, there is kind of like a bass season, but it depends on the body of water you're on. So. Yeah. Um, honestly, when I heard fishing seasons, it threw me off. Cause I was like, I grew up fishing, you know, if I want to go fishing, I'm going to go fishing for whatever I want to go fishing. <laughs> you know, we don't, the one season that we kind of have is like spoonbill, but that's usually because that's when their run is. And that's usually when you fish them is during the spawn or snag them is during the spawn. So that would be the one season if you wanted to say that, but you can legally catch them uh, all year round if you wanted to. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, getting in more into fishing here the last several years, I didn't realize that there were seasons for fish. I was like, Oh, it's kind of like hunting season. That'd be kind of weird. Like, but no, it, no, for the most part, like uh, it is most of the year. Like I think for, for trout in Pennsylvania, you can't fish on from January 1st through opening day of trout, which is uh, like in, in April. So, um, but, and then bass, it kind of, it's not very much. They, uh, there's a few times where it's supposed to be catch and release only, you know, you're not supposed to have them out of the water or away from beds, like during spawn and stuff like that. But for the most part, you can fish year round. I, I, I'm interested, you know, I've, the one thing I haven't done for my kayak is uh, fish for trout. Uh, I've trout fished in streams, you know, a ton growing up, but uh, I, uh, I've never fished from them for my kayak because most of the bodies of water here that we have in Pennsylvania that our trout waters aren't big enough to, to really kayak. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I think that's honestly one of the most fun trips I go on every year is and maybe it's because like you know, I usually get a couple of friends or whatever to go with me and it's just kind of a group day of fishing and hanging out. But uh, you know, the river that we typically go down on isn't a big river by any means, but it's big enough to float down and stuff. So uh, you know, I I really recommend if you ever get a chance, it it's a lot of fun. I mean especially when you're fishing with the ultralight rod and reel and everything. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I'm not a fly fisherman, so I, but I have seen people fly fish out of their kayak and I was amazed because I can't do it standing on two feet. Forget about <laughs> sitting in a kayak, but I've seen people do it. And um, my dad's trying to get into it and stuff. And I think it, it would be interesting and fun, but I've got so many other hobbies that I don't think I could make time to fly fish, learn to fly fish anyways. I'm kind of the same in the exact same boat. It looks super interesting to me, but I'm like, I am still just learning the fishing aspect of it. I don't want to need to throw any curveballs in there. Um, yes. But, you know, and I know when you talk about fly fishing from a kayak, you almost need an open layout like a new canoe would be because, yeah. you know, you can't have a lot of stuff that you're going to be stripping line and have that line laying there, you know, trying to pull it off around pedals or whatever. So, yep. Interesting. So, well, the reason um, why uh, I brought you on tonight was because I wanted to talk and learn a little bit more about the umbrella rig. Um, so um, I was curious how you got started with that. Was it just uh, needing something to throw in the cold water or what, what kind of led you to try the hay rig? So the first thing was really, I just kind of saw it at a, think walmart bass pro some retail shop i was like what the heck is that thing <laughs> so i picked it up and looked at it and it was really expensive and i was like well if it's expensive it's got to catch fish <laughs> and so i bought one and uh i played around with it and 
like you, I didn't have the right gear starting off with it to throw it. And I ended up stripping a reel, uh, the gears in it just cause it was too much for that reel. And so, you know, I honestly kind of put it up and I was like, oh, I don't have the stuff for, for this. And it, it seemed like it should be more simple than it was. And so I kind of gave up on it until fairly back recently, I've gotten a, a little bit more better gear and stuff and been able to, you know, especially after college when I was able to make some money and get some real gear. And so I dove back into it and, um, you know, we, we wrote this article on it and it was kind of eye opening to the fact that, Hey, don't quit fishing during the winter time, but also, you know, the umbrella rig, it, it works throughout the year, depend you know, depending on the situation for the most part, but it's also a big misconception, like what I had starting out is, well, you just cast it out and reel it back and catch big fish. You know, uh, uh, that's the conception that I got anyways, especially when, you know, all the big major fishing tournaments were like, oh, no, you can't use the umbrella rig. It's illegal to use, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, shoot, it's just like catching fish in a barrel then if you're using the Alabama <laughs> rig or umbrella rig. And I quickly found that that's just not the case. Right, right. So that was like the first big caveat that I wanted to throw out there is that if you decide to throw the A-Rig or the Umbrella Rig, make sure you check your local reg regulations. Because um, I know like here in PA, we're allowed to have five hooks. It's all good. Um, but there are definitely places around the country where you can't have that many hooks. So um, make sure you check uh, before you decide to throw that uh, the Alabama Rig. Make sure you check um, your local regulations to find out how many hooks you're allowed to have on one bait, you know. Uh, cause, uh, I was reading that some places have three and some places only have one. So, yep. um, you know, you now not to say you can't throw an A-rig like that, but it's definitely probably not going to be, uh, I don't want to say as effective cause, uh, but if only one of your, uh, so basically let's, let's talk about a little bit what the A-rig is, um, just for those folks who don't know what that is. So the, the reason it's called like an umbrella rig is if you literally picture an umbrella, how it has the spines that come out everything and at each spine there's uh, sometimes there's a little shiny spoon looking thing on attached to it and then at the very end you can tie it or uh, connect a jig to it with a swim bait of some kind and sometimes they have five sometimes they have three but like you were saying you know some states limit only three hooks or only one hook so you can use a five rig but only put three hooks on it and just put, uh, you know, two dummy hooks on the rig itself just to give it that bigger bait ball appearance, but yet you're still obeying the laws. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So uh, yeah, here's an example of what he's talking about. So you can see here a couple yeah. from his article. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know. So like you can see here how the, the spines kind of. Yep. Right. Yep. It's got, it's got a, you know, the, the shiners or whatever, you know, spinners, whatever you want to call them. And then it, it's got the spines or the, it's just a, a piece of metal. That's not nearly as strong as like a metal hanger or anything, but it's still bendable and movable and you can collapse it and everything. And, you know, um, it just takes the shape of the umbrella, which is why it's typically called an umbrella rig. But I think it was actually made in Alabama or the guy, who came up with the design is from Alabama and that's why 
it's nicknamed the Alabama rig or the A rig. But um, yeah, they're they're really good because they are kind of a, a versatile lure, and it's unlike anything else you can really use because it, it imitates an actual bait ball instead of just one single bait fish. Right. Right. And, um, so, um, I know, uh, you know, all the ones that I have and have thrown have the, the blades kind of attached to it, but, uh, that's one of the things that I was surprised that, uh, you know, I didn't know that right away was that they make them without them. And I was like that, you know, could potentially a little wear on your arm. I think a little less hardware that you're dragging through the water, but, um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it would be. Um, I think I've actually got both. And I've only ever used the one with the, the blades, but um, yeah, you know, a little bit less drag, a little le less vibration. Um, and once again, it, it kind of maybe for, on... you know, more. Sorry, we got a little lag going and that's throwing me off yeah. a bit. <laughs> oh, you're good. No, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's going to depend on your situation for which one you use. Um that that's all so i th i think uh like uh you know it's one of those things where you, you can try both and you know try one for a while and if you're not getting any bites on it maybe go with the, the one without blades and just see if that works a little better to see if that's what the fish want that day yeah that's the frustrating thing about fishing and like even trying to teach it i've learned that there's no scientific answer this is scientifically proven to this is exactly what you need to do because if it if it was that easy then you know we it, it <laughs> wouldn't call be it fishing, catching right? not fishing <laughs> yes yes I, even the pros you know you, you can go ask a pro anything and you ask five pros about this same exact situation and they've got five different approaches to it and it's like oh I thought there was just one correct answer and there's usually not. And that's the same with the umbrella rig, you know, is <clears throat> do you use the five wire or the three wire? Well, it kind of depends on your preferences, to be honest. Right. And then, you know, for sure, like water clarity is going to throw uh, something into that. If you know, if you have a, like maybe not as clear water, you probably want those blades in there thumping and giving off a little yep. bit of vibration so the fish can, use their other senses like their lateral lines and stuff to pick up on that and uh, maybe hone in on that bait a little better. Yep. Um, exactly. So now we know kind of what it is. Um, how about when and where do you tend to say, Hey, this looks like a good place for the a rigs time of year is good. What's your general thoughts on that? I like, um, I tend to like, you know, late fall into the winter and every now and then, even in the summertime, I know we're not really talking about summertime fishing, but when those bass right. are out suspended, especially when they're suspended or something, and you can buzz it by their head, I think that's a, a really great time to do it. And that's kind of the only place that I would throw an Alabama rig because I'm cheap and they're expensive. So I'm not going to go throw it into a brush pile and risk it getting hung up because i mean buying the rig itself is like 15 bucks at the cheapest and then you've got five dollars worth of jig heads on there and another ten dollars worth of swim baits so you know you're throwing thirty dollars forty dollars on the end of your line i'm not throwing <laughs> it into a brush pile so no nah, <laughs> i'm not getting I'm right there close. with you 
<laughs> so I'll, uh, I, I tend to stick with, you know, the open water. Now, if it's rocky bottom or something like that, that's obviously, you know, less like places I'm less likely to get hung up. Grass, it's just got too many hooks to grab onto and stuff that you, it's just not going to work real well. But if you can find that edge, you know, that grass line, that edge of the grass, that's where it would be a little better, you know, imitating a small bait fish popping out of the grass for a second and then trying to find another way back in it. And that's when the bass will hammer it. But typically it's going to be, you know, late fall, early winter, open water. Gotcha. And um, when you're talking about like different depths of water, obviously it, it would work in many places that you can do it would not get hung up. So super, super shallow, maybe not, you know, great, but uh, you know, you could, you could probably get away with it in a couple feet of water. And then of course, down deep, deep, you know, then it's just a matter of letting it get down there, um, yeah. I guess, before you bring it back. So um, do you, uh, what, like, what kind of depths are you used to fishing? Like I, I'm more of a shallow water guy, but I, I'm, if I, if I can find something that would, uh, be somewhat uh, reliable to me for deep water, I'd definitely be, uh, uh, game to stick with it. So, so I'm, I'm the same way. I, especially like in my kayak, if I'm fishing deeper than 10 foot, it's usually out of desperation. Like I'm trying to find a bike cause I can't, where the heck one. are they? Yep. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, the umbrella rig, Alabama rig, it's kind of, it's really 10 foot. You could probably go five, but really that 10 foot plus range is where it begins to shine. And, uh, you know, you're talking about fishing at different depths. One tip that I, I learned from, uh, Tyler's real fishing and super simple i do it with other rigs and just never thought to do it with this one is you measure out say 10 foot of line you know you estimate about 10 foot of line and you just drop it in the water and count it down till it comes and you feel it hit the end of the line and you know you say okay well it took five counts to get down to 10 foot so we're going to go fish it at 30 feet i can see you know if you've got a depth finder i can see the fish are at 25 feet or whatever then i'm going to count it down 5, 10, 15, 20 feet, and I'm going to try to bring it over their heads at, you know, where it's two or three foot above their heads instead of right there at them, the where mm -hmm. it more than likely would spook them instead of trigger their response. And so um, it's, like you were saying, it's really great for being able to fish those different depths because you can just count it back down to whatever depth you want to fish it and then start reeling it in, and you can really control the depth of it by how fast you're reeling it or how slow you're reeling it right right so it's it's definitely got some versatility to it there in that you can you can target fish at different depths um i know in your article you mentioned about finding them with uh electronics and you know a lot of anglers especially as they get more and more popular and you know increasingly better like i can't imagine live scope but I, I, i'm still doing a side scan down scan kind of thing and uh, it almost seems like video game fishing at that point. But, uh, uh, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, if you can locate balls of bait with that, I, and see where the bait fish are, you know, what depth they're running, you know, and just kind of match that. I think that would be, uh, like perfect, but any tips for, if you don't have electronics? I mean, I, I fished without electronics for a long time and I think it's really, 
it's not as easy to fish with an umbrella rig without any electronics. Now, if you've got, you know, a down scan or side scan or something where you can kind of see the bottom and at least kind of get an idea of where the bass would be, that'd be best. But if you're fishing from shore, I really honestly wouldn't recommend the umbrella rig just because more than likely you're going to get hung up and lose $50 worth of tackle pretty <laughs> quick. So, uh, you know, but if you're in a kayak uh, or a small boat or a bass boat, whatever, I, I still think it's possible. Yes. But, oh yeah, the, you know, the, having the electronics definitely gives you four or five steps up on not understanding what's down below the water because right. you know, you, you don't know where the fish are exactly. And, um, so for a, tips for that would be try, you know, first reeling it really fast, keeping it high in the water column, see if they're there make the same cast and real slower, make the same cast and real slower, slower, you know, and just keep working till you can feel the bottom and coming up off the bottom and just keep repeating that, you know, it, you've got to really slow down your fishing in that instance, because you've got to use the lure to figure out what's underneath the water versus using your electronics where you can glance at it and be like, Oh, there's no cover here. There's no brush there, or there's no drop off. The fish aren't hanging out here. Let's move on to the next spot. Whereas with blind, you're just going to find out if there's fish there by casting it out and fishing it at different depths. Right, right. Makes a lot of sense. Um, now, um, I know we talked about having the right gear is important too. What, what kind of gear do you recommend? Yeah, that's what, like I said, I, I learned that out the hard way. Um, so did I. <laughs> <clears throat> I you really need uh, a good, strong rod, like at least a a medium heavy but i really would push you to more like a heavy with a fast action and you might be able to get away with a little bit more of like a moderate action but i don't i don't want what i call a broomstick which is just literally like a straight raw really strong it's really stiff um because when you're fishing the umbrella rig and you go to set the hook you can rip the hooks out of the fish's mouth really easy with a too overpowering of a rod and mm -hmm. it kind of makes casting a little bit awkward. Whereas if you've got like a, a fast action, you've still got a little bit of that bend that'll allow it to load up and really launch it out there for you. So I, yes. I really recommend like a fast action, heavy power rod. And then um, for the reel, I want something heavy. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of guys use like musky reels, something big that can really handle those bigger lures. I don't have mm -hmm. any musky reels, but I've got a, a, a reel that is a little bit bulkier, a little bit heavier, a little bit better built. So it's not going to strip the gears. And um, I think that's, that's the only way to go unless you want to be like me and just keep stripping a bunch of gears. And <laughs> I can't afford to buy that many reels a year. So <laughs> I was, I was the exact same way. And the, the first time I went out and threw it, the biggest thing I had was kind of a, uh, a medium heavy, but it had a real light reel on it and I couldn't cast it far at all. And it was like super work getting it, uh, just reeling it back in. And yeah. I was like, Holy cow. I, I wore out my arm. I was surprised I didn't kill the reel cause, uh, I really for all intents and purposes should have. But, um, after I did the same thing, I put it away. I was like, yeah, I don't know that a rigs for me. And then, um, recently I finally got my first, nice heavy rod it was a douglas rod with a fast tip and i you know got a half decent uh reel for it pretty bulky 
not crazy, but, uh, you know, I was intending to use it as like a frogging and, uh, yep. you know, a heavy jig rod. Um, but I tried it with the A-Rig and it really, I couldn't believe the difference it made in, in just casting and retrieving. Um, you know, it was light years easier than, than the initial setup that I tried throwing it on. So, um, you know, I, and I'm, I'm a big component of, you know, not having 12 rods out with you, but this is one of the few instances I think where it really does make a huge difference on the technique to, to have something that's, you know, the right rod, maybe, you know, not the exact specific rod that you're only buying to throw the A-Rig on. Like I said, I use it on my frogging rod and stuff, but, uh, it definitely does make a big difference, uh, having the right equipment. So, yeah, it's funny you, you say that uh, I'm the same way as far as like, you know, you'll, you'll go watch pro videos and they're like, you've got to have this rod, this reel, and it has to be this. And I'm like, I understand where they're coming from. Yes. That's the, probably the best scenario, but for, us average anglers that can't we're not number one we're not getting free rods and rails every year and stuff you know we gotta go out and buy it and i tend to stick with like a medium heavy you know seven seven foot maybe seven and a half foot something like that and um with the a-rig i just quickly found out that that medium heavy though you can fish with it it's really it's not enough and uh, i forgot to mention the length really you want a longer rod too, you know, like a, a six and a half foot rod just isn't going to cut it. It's going to be a lot of work. Like you said, you know, trying to cast it out and then you're not having a lot of leverage to reel it back in and set the hook and everything. So at least like a seven and a half to eight foot rod is typically what I would recommend. But like you, I actually use my uh, frogging and jigging rod as my a rig rod. And, um, you know, it, it does the job. It, it's, you know, sure. It's not the best thing for the situation, but it, it does the job and I'm not dependent on that for me to make my money. So I don't have to <laughs> you know wor worry about every, you know, landing every single fish. <clears throat> but, right, right. Yeah. I'm, uh, as far as the gear, I, I do think it's one technique that's, you do need some good gear to have it. But otherwise, I'm, I'm like you. I'm like, you know, most of the time you can get away with a medium heavy rod and kind of make it work. Right. Um, how about um, line? Do you throw it on braid to leader, straight braid? You know, what's your line set up? So I, I used to fish, and there's still a couple of my rods that have straight fluoro, and I've just grown to hate it. It seems yeah. like no matter which way I try to put it on, uh, it ends up in a tangled mess. 30 minutes into the trip and i'm just like i hate fluorocarbon <laughs> but i think fluorocarbon is very important to use when throwing an alabama rig so i use a leader from braid to fluoro because i really like how braid casts how braid feels you know it, it's really small diameter all that i love braid most of the time except for like throwing a crankbait and the alabama rig because braid tends to make like a, a big loop and it's real what i can't think of what they call it malleable maybe or something it, it just tends to catch on something and then you, you waste the cast and you've got to reel it back in and unhook everything and then throw it back out there and hope it doesn't do it again whereas with <laughs> fluorocarbon it's a little bit stiffer so it keeps that line away from the rig and you're not going to get it so i i really recommend running braid the fluoro to the umbrella rig 
Yep. And that's, that's pretty much what I run to for the same reasons. Um, uh, how about weight line weight? Like I generally run like maybe 20 pound braid to, and my lure, my leaders, um, I'll, you know, for an A-rig, since it, it is a little bit more that you're moving through the water, I'll stick to maybe, you know, 15, 12 at the lightest. Um, you <clears> know, that's still, you know, you know, but I'm also not catching 10 pounders, um, where I am for the most part. So, um, if you're going to be fishing anything where you can get kind of those bigger, heavier fish, I would bump up on both, uh, my braid line weight and my fluorocarbon line weight. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, um, and too, like water clarity has a lot to do with it. If I'm fishing clear air water, you know, I, I do try to downsize a little bit just to give myself an advantage. Whereas if it's dirtier water, I can go bigger and not worry about it nearly as much. But yeah, I, th I think you're spot on with the line weights. You know, my, my big thing is that you're throwing a lure that already itself weighs three to five ounces most of the time. And so then when you put on top of that a, a big fish, even a five pound fish, you know, that 10 pound line, if it's got a fray in it or anything, you're really pushing it. That's why I tend to, you know, 12, 15, 17. And, you know, if I'm in a really big fish area, I might push a little bit more, but typically that 17 pound test is about as big as I go. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and, um, I was curious, uh, one of the questions that I kind of had when I got started was how do I know how much weight for each jig, what jig heads to use? And do you use like, uh, like ball head style or do you use, uh, like actually the, like the swim bait kind of where it has like an actual pointed head or a, almost like a fish shaped head? I, I don't know that it matters. Like as far as the shape of the head goes, um, I've used both. So I, and I really don't know, I can't say, oh yes, this one's worked better for me than this one. I, I really don't know that it matters, but my philosophy when it comes to the weight is I try to put on less as little weight as possible, just because it's already, you know, you're still adding it up. And, um, but I still want a, a big enough hook that's going to be strong enough to hook the fish. So I'm not like putting, you know, crappie jigs on there or anything by any means but right i still i still don't want a ton of weight because more than likely you know like, like we were talking about it's a, a winter time lure so if it's dropping too fast or you're having to just reel it really fast to keep it off the bottom because there's too much weight then it's kind of defeating the purpose so there there is a happy medium to find there and i tend to stick on the lower weight spectrum and um, but I, I, and then again, it, it also depends on how deep you need to fish it. And, um, um, I know it could also, uh, depend on what you're throwing on there. Like, uh, I, I imagine most people throw swim baits, but like you mentioned, like curly tail grubs would probably work. So you yep. could get away with like a smaller ball head jig there with, uh, if you're going to just be throwing grubs on it. And I think that would, you know, probably lessen the overall weight too. If you're, you don't have a ton of plastic out there you know a, a grub is probably not gonna be as heavy as uh, a whole bunch of swim baits but um, it all depends i guess uh, um, kind of what you're trying to imitate and what size bait fish you're trying to imitate yep yeah that and that's that's a good point to bring up is is the soft plastic that you are using um you know everybody's got their preference of colors and styles and stuff and i think that's <clears throat> one reason why the 
Alabama rig is so diverse or whatever, you know, it, it's very versatile is because you can put, you can put curly tail grubs on there with a fluke, with a paddle tail, you know, you can put them all on there, mix sure. it all up, or you can put them all the same. Um, but one tip that, uh, that I like to do, and especially for if you're fishing in an area that only allows one hook, is to put all the same baits on all the dummy hooks and then change it on the, the hook that you, the actual hook that you can catch the fish on. And um, usually that difference for whatever reason that that's what the bass will key in on is I, I, I think it's kind of the same. Like I think of it as like the lion chasing the zebras. It, if it, it can't differentiate between all of them because they're all mixed together, but that one that looks awkward or looks injured or whatever and acts different, that's the one that ends up getting. Well, the same true with the bass is, you know, all these look the same. And so they kind of blend in and mix, but then you've got one that's either bigger or moving different or different colored. And that's usually the one they bite. So that's kind of my recommendation on, you know, if you, if you're only allowed one hook or three hooks, make one of those hooks, the one that's a little bit different. Right. Right. But, and even on the five rig one, I've, I've heard that too, where you make like the one that would be back in the back furthest, uh, a different yep. color, you know, and, and, you know, just to give, like you said, give them something to, to kind of key in on. And um, a lot of times that will be the one that gets hit. So yep cool no I, I think that's definitely a good idea um I'm trying to think of what other uh what other things i wanted to cover with that is there anything else oh um you know we mentioned uh about you know counting it down and and that kind of thing but how about retrieves like i know uh in your article you mentioned uh, a little bit about you know varying up your retrieves a little bit um i remember uh watching some videos online and where they talk where you you slow it down, speed it up, and that almost causes the whole the wires to flex and it almost to to pulse like a like a bait ball would be kind of you know how they if you could ever see a bait ball they kind yeah. of shrink and expand and uh, you know I, I thought that was kind of cool that that was something you could add into your retrieve and like you said you know not that you can't catch fish on a straight retrieve uh, on an a rig but um, throwing in those things I think is is, is a good idea. Yeah, uh, I like I really like the the one that pulses and because it, it kind of imitates like another fish coming up and trying to attack that uh, bait ball and that then triggers the bass's uh, competitiveness for lack of a better word and saying, oh no, that's my food. I'm not going to let you get it. And then it comes in the tax. So and it's really it's not hard to do because, you know, you're just straight retrieving. And then you're just going to give it a, a good tug for a second and then reel up your slack and keep retrieving it, you know, um, and it once again, and that, that retrieve is going to depend on the fish's mood. You know, you might do it once every retrieve, or you might do it 10 times during the retrieve, just playing around with that to see really what the fish are in the mood for at the day is the name of the game with that. And I was just going to say, if you, if you do get a bite, try and pay attention to what you were doing when you got the bite or, you know, how, yeah. what, what, what made that retrieve different than maybe, you know, the last five that didn't get bites and, and really uh, then try and repeat it and see if you can get a pattern going. Yep. Yep. That's one thing that I think has made, I can think of one day specifically, but um, earlier this year I was in my kayak and I caught one fish early morning 
And pretty quick off the bat, I was like, oh, it's going to be a great day of fishing. And then I didn't get a bite for like three hours. And I was actually about to just go home and give up. And then I, was, I saw a little shaded area and I was like, oh, I'll just make one cast. Made a cast, boom, got a bite. And I was like, holy crap. And then I made another cast in the shade there boom had a bite and i was like oh okay and you know it was just because i paid attention to i cast in the shaded area i put it this direction and you know pulled it out about this speed and i was able to establish a pattern there and i ended up turning a bad day of fishing into a really good day but it was like you said it was because i was paying attention to how i was doing it when i got the bite Right, right. And, uh, you know, exactly like you said, you know, that can definitely turn your day around quick. You know, as soon as you figure out what's working and then can repeat that and it, that's how, you know, that's when you really start putting fish in the boat. And, you know, that's, that's some of the best times fishing when you, when you know, cause it is like a puzzle. And when you figure out the puzzle, not only does it feel good cause you figured it out, but yep. it also means pretty good fishing. So, yep. Cool. Cool. Um, uh, okay. Um, and let's see, is there anything else, any other tips or tricks that you can think of off the top of your head? I mean, you know, the umbrella rig really works for any species of bass, whatever you want to target. You know, it's not like a, it's just a large mouth technique or it's just a small mouth technique. It's, you know, you're, you're going to catch any species you want on it. Um, so I, I just recommend going out and trying it. You know, if you're, if you're willing to spend all the money on the umbrella rig anyways, you know, then go out and try it and have a good time. Um, I would say limit your expectations specifically during winter fishing in general, because more than likely you're going to get three bites instead of 30 bites. And so you might catch one fish all day, but typically especially with the umbrella rig, it's going to be a bigger fish. You know, it, you're not going to catch your little 12 inches or whatever. Ho hopefully not. And hopefully that's not going to be the one fish of the day, but <laughs> sometimes it is. And, but for the most part during the winter, it's going to be bigger fish. And I think that's part of the allure that keeps me coming back out during the winter is, you know, well, maybe today I'll catch my PB instead of just a whole bunch of little dinks. Right, right. Um, I know one thing I thought of. Um, how about brands and and any specific umbrella rig that you recommend or you you you've had luck on? I'm not like I know that's a big thing for most people, but I, I'm not like a brand loyalist. Loyalist <laughs> that word. There we go. And um, but I know like the Yum brand. They have the Yumbrella is one. Um, let me see. What I can't remember what I recommended in my article. There was a couple that I looked up. <clears throat> uh, let me run over there. Back. Uh, let's see. Uh, where did it go? Yeah, the the umbrella is the main one that I I lost it too. I had it here. But um, uh, um, yeah, I I really recommend like anything that you can. I, I've seen a bunch. Yeah, I mean, I, I go with well-known brands. You know, if you recognize the name of the company, more than likely it's going to be okay. I tend to stick away from, like, the Amazon brands. That That's the one, the brands that I wouldn't buy. They're usually cheaper, but they're usually cheaper and not as good either. So 
I, you know, I, I don't have any specific. And that's uh, actually but, another know, mistake that I made when I first started. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I started off with a, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, uh, what is the Japanese site that's super cheap? You know, I think I, I, I bought my first couple off of there and they were just kind of junk. So uh, you yeah. definitely get what you pay for, I think, with this. Um, you know, now, you know, that I always caution and I'm, I'm one of the, you know, don't, uh, buy the lures that fishermen, fishermen instead of fit. Um, this is another example of where you, you do get what you pay for it uh, to some respect. Yeah. So, yep. I would agree with that. <clears throat> All right, Westman. Well, I think we, we covered that pretty well. So, um, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out where folks can find you. Where can they uh, read, you know, your content? And, uh, you know, you mentioned YouTube and stuff. Uh, where can folks find you? Uh, so most of my uh, fishing-related articles are on yourbassguy.com. And I think we're actually transitioning and might be changing names. But if you f type in Wesley Littlefield Fishing or something, I'm sure bass fishing specifically, it'll come up. Um and then on YouTube, the Your Bass Guy YouTube is one place where I do a lot of bass fishing tips. And then my personal YouTube is more uh, kayak and kayak fishing related. I do a lot of gear reviews and specifically about my new canoes and stuff and kind of how I've um, modified them to fit my needs and my uses and stuff and all the cool toys that I bought that I can't tell my wife about because she'd be mad but um yeah uh, i hear you just, i'm right there man <laughs> my youtube just wesley Littlefield. um i think it's called the kayak kid wesley Littlefield. but if you type in wesley Littlefield, it should come up and uh, i really don't have any other social media i tend to stick away from that because i'm too competitive and if i see somebody catching big fish i get jealous and i'm like i don't like you anymore but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just too competitive so and any sponsors I, or any any other affiliates that you want to shout out no um if anybody's looking to sponsor anybody you know hit me up but no i'm <laughs> I, i'm me myself and i i i guess my wife is my biggest sponsor right now you know so that's that's about I it hear you. yep all right, man. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it was fun. Uh, definitely a lot of great information on the A-Rig. Hopefully, um, you know, the listeners will go out and give that a try, especially, you know, in these colder months. But uh, don't just limit yourself to the cold months, too, because, you know, they do, you know, it does catch fish, you know, and, and will work in, in the warmer months, too. So, uh, you know, get it out on the water, give that a try. And um, uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, thanks again, listeners listeners for uh tuning in uh, make sure you go out and check out uh wes's uh you know stuff out there read read some of his articles he does a great job you know laying stuff out and um definitely check out his youtube and the the uh, your best guy uh youtube as well and um check out all that content so uh wes again appreciate you coming on man and, Thanks for having um, me, John. I appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Uh, listeners, again, thank you all for everything for this year. And um, it's been a great year, and I can't wait to see what next year holds. So, uh, um, again, watching the here on, on Fin Podcast, we're bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a great night, and we'll catch you next year. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. 
be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina. The beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. The Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.